Hi, this is John Hand. We're going to be focusing on a big mismatch of Italian, Stone Age, futuristic, sci-fi, a, a, a wonderful mess of a film, your The Hunter from the Future. There must be some place in this world where we can live in peace with our people. He is from a future world. Trapped in another time. Searching for his past. A hunter of incredible power and strength. In his quest for his origin, he and the woman he loves must fight hostile tribes. Battle deadly beasts. And try to survive the violent forces of a newly born Earth. He is the warrior known as Yor. His medallion holds the key to his destiny. His courage makes him master of a world in chaos. His enemy uses the weapons of tomorrow to enslave a primitive planet. But his passion for freedom will set his people free. You're the hunter from the future. So how do you begin with, with your your is uh oh my god. <laughs> your uh begins with our your the hunter from the future, played by Reb Brown, uh Captain America, the first Captain America in those initial TV movies. Um, he'd go on to do all of these Italian action films. Uh, but Yor is in a loincloth and he's wandering around this prehistoric uh, world uh, to, the, to the theme song, which is Yor's World, He's the Man, Yor's World, He's the Man, played by Oliver all all Onions. And, uh, and this, this song is, is, to me... It sets up the film as just completely insane, and it's played throughout the throughout the film. The beginning of the uh, of the chorus, "Yours world, he's the man. Yours world," to punctuate when your comes in and and uh, and because he's a big fighter, and when every every time he he comes through and, and saves the day, it's played just kind of like in Flash Gordon in Dino De Laurentiis' Flash Gordon, and just like with Queen in Flash Gordon. Yours song. I, I'm sure there was some there was some influence with the Your and Flash Gordon. Yours world. It it tells the song is about your the pure desire. You're the you're the pure. You're the true and free desire. He never sees the sun. He's always on the run. Him his days are gone. They say he will go on. His search goes on and on. And it's just, it's a ridiculous, wonderful song. And we have this blaring song, Yours World, He's the Man, Come to, you know, and he's just going to fight everything while he's wandering around. And he finds himself, after wandering around in this prehistoric, which is really just Turkey, it's just these stone mountains in Turkey. He finds this uh, old man pack, played by Luciano Pigazzi, who is this legendary bug-eyed little old Italian actor who was in all these full, all, all, not of these Fulci movies, but he's in Mario Bava films. He was in a billion Italian westerns. He was in a billion giallos. Uh, he's there with uh, Corinne Clary, this young, uh, beautiful, uh, uh, raven-haired, dark actress uh, who was in um, The Story of O. She was uh, the lead actress in the... the um, adaptation of the story of O with Udo Kier. 
and uh, she's super sexy. And so this uh, woman, Corinne Clary, playing Kala, and Pack are being terrified by this big Triceratops monster. And the Triceratops is is actually pretty good. I mean, it's just it's it's not CGI, so it's not really it's there. You know, it, it looks like this big Triceratops is like this big animatronic thing that's on top of a VW Bug, but it's, it's menacing them and terrifying them, this, this big head, and so Yor comes in and saves them. And so now Yor is the big hero, and so Pack and Kala take take Yor back to his back to their tribe, and he's this mysterious, you know, blonde-haired warrior-type guy. And he's the hero. And so Yor is happy for a while. He's hanging out with um, this this group of cavemen. You know, they're all in loincloths. It's like uh, it's it's kind of something out like uh, you know one million years BC. You know, those Hammer uh, prehistoric films with all these cave guys running around. And Yor Red Brown, he has whatever role Red Brown is in, is in. He has these signatures. First of all, he shouts like a madman. He can just he has these guttural shouts, and also he has this weird smile. He has this weird toothy grin. That's kind of like the only thing I can think of is like Steve Odekirk in Kung Pao: Legend of the Fist. Any time that he like grins, just like this, you know, he grins and he's cutting up this uh, dinosaur. And he's like, you know, I you have to taste the 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 blood of your of your uh, of your opponent. You know, it makes you stronger. You know, they're happy for a while with these cavemen, but then these other ape men who are, like, uh, dressed in, uh, they're all, they, they have blue skin, and they're dressed in, 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 uh, in fur, and they're big, they're all weird and hairy. They come in, and they kill, they, they slaughter this, this uh, tribe of cavemen, and they, they kidnap uh, Kala. And so then Yor has to go and, and fight them along with Pack, and he fights them, and he he destroys him, and then the thing is, Yor, there, it's a mystery of where Yor has come from, because he's in this prehistoric world, but he's this big fighter, he's blonde, nobody else is blonde in this movie, and he has this weird medallion, which he has some relationship to, you know, his, his, uh, his birthright, his past life, and so, and everybody's like, okay, there's this other girl, this is chick who has this medallion, who lives in the, the desert land, the wasteland, and so they make a trek to the wasteland, and they f- and they find this other group of people desert kind of mummy warrior people who are all you know dressed up in rags and their f- and their cl- hand- and their uh, faces are all dirty and they're just like you know and they use fire they have these sticks and things that are just on fire and they and they and because they're wasteland they live in this uh, area where apparently they worship death, you know, and they're in this kind of arid wasteland in the middle of the desert where nothing grows, you know, and so they capture Yor eventually, and they bring him down to to see their their princess, this woman they worship, which is another a blonde-haired woman who has the same medallion as Yor, and Yor's like, you know come on, let's go find out where we're from. And so they kill all of these, again, this is the another genocide, this is like the third genocide in this film, because the initial tribe is killed, and then the the blue uh, ape-man people are killed because Yor floods their cave, uh, where he escapes with Kala, but he floods their cave, and he pretty much kills all of those guys. <laughs> and then... 
he kills all of these uh, sand desert people and escapes with that woman, but unfortunately some of the, the eight men have survived and they eventually uh, catch up to Yor and Kala and Pak and this blonde-haired woman and they kill her. And there's this, you know, again, this sorrowful thing because there was this, you know, love, there was this, you know, love triangle between Yor and Kala and the the cave girl and this highly advanced blonde haired haired woman. And so it, that's conveniently dispensed with after the eight people kill her and there's this sorrowful thing, Yor, give me one kiss, blah, blah, blah. They, and then... And then I guess there's really a fourth semi-genocide where they, Yorin Pak and Kala realize, okay, there's this island of storms uh, where they were this mysterious island of storms that the that they keep hearing about that that that's probably where he comes from, and so they go out to the uh, to the beach and they're about to go on this ocean trek and they meet up with this fourth group of people, which is uh, this kind of group of, like, kind of Polynesian-esque, you know, island, you know, type of coastal people, and there's this coastal tribe, which they've built this little settlement on the uh, on the water on the beach, and they say that th- th- this tribe says that, you know, a few days ago, they, they killed a god from the sky, they, they uh, which is really a, a spaceship, they brought it down to Earth, and uh, it exploded, and they have this uh, this artifact that, that in this cave of the thing that was left from this from this ship, and it's really and it and uh, it, it's uh, it's a it's obviously some kind of communications device because uh, it starts to talk, it starts to talk, and then these lasers kind of begin to rain down uh, onto the village and and and, it, and blows up this uh, this tribe that's this this village that's that they've built on the on the beach, and a lot of people die. Not everybody. It's only a semi-genocide this time. Yor only gets involved in, like, a semi-pseudo-genocide at, at this point. And, you know, Yor goes, damn, talking box, and he just throws it down. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And um, so then they they travel, the the, the village people here, uh, the village uh, uh, um Beach settlement people give Yor and Kalan Pak a, a boat, and they travel to this island of storms, where they eventually find the Overlord, played by the epic uh, English actor uh, who is in a lot of Italian films like Caligula, John Steiner, and they find this island which is ruled by the Overlord, which is this guy in this hooded cloak, kind of looks like Emperor Palpatine. And it's very kind of Star Warsy, and and now we've gone from a caveman film to a futuristic film, where uh, basically we realize that that this prehistoric world is actually the future world. That there was an atomic war, there was an atomic explosion, which you know wiped out most of civilization. And these survivors of this nuclear holocaust are on this island uh, ruled by Overlord. And Overlord has all these androids, and he has these plans to take over the world by, we're never really quite sure, it seems like he wants to make cyborgs, he wants to make cyborg clones, and he wants to capture Yor, and use his, um, he wants her, he wants him to inseminate uh, the, the woman, and give birth to, to this race of androids which he can control. 
but eventually this doesn't happen because there are all these rebels that are they're on the island and because yours family it, it turns out was actually a group of rebels who were uh who were uh banished to the to the outside world which according to the overlord is is com- contaminated and nothing can grow in it and so but these rebels are still there in the island and they eventually overthrow the overlord and we see at the end of the film Yor and Pack and the rest of the rebels fly off in a in a in a craft away from the island as the overlord's island blows up and the overlord dies and they're going back to the to the mainland to form a new civilization of love and peace and not war. So so that's it. That's pretty much the film uh in in a in a very quick nutshell uh it's it's a it's an incredibly goofy uh film i guess more targeted towards kids uh it's very lighthearted it's it's uh a caveman film but then it's that kind of collision of that you know late 70s early 80s collision of you know caveman you know kind of john carter from mars type thing you know with you know, the high-tech stuff with the Star Wars stuff, you know. And I guess there were a lot of filmmakers that were kind of delving in this this type of thing at this point. I, I can think of uh, Lucio Fulci's Conquest. You know, it makes me kind of think of that with the, all the lasers and stuff, you know. It's something like that. But uh, Your is a um, great film directed by Anthony Dawson, a.k.a. Antonio Margariti. A uh, wonderful uh, Italian director. He directed all kinds of films. He he directed Campbell Apocalypse. Directed a bunch of action films. He directed Horror Castle. He even worked on uh, Flesh for Frankenstein. There always was this issue whether he was just an assistant of Flesh for Frankenstein, whether he directed the entire film. Uh, there was a lot of controversy because the Italian credits actually list him as the director. But in any case, he he's he is an incredibly great director. Very he he this film looks very polished. It it looks like it's poverty row, but at the same time, it just to me it's a lot more fun than uh, than a Flash. Going to be quite honest, it's a hell of a lot more fun than Flash. And uh, I mean, this your this film, there are elements of it which are totally insane. You will watch your battle these big dinosaurs. You you will watch your kill this big bat creature uh and, and and kill him and then use the bat creature's body as like a hand glider to come in and kill all these eight people. And it's just it's completely insane. While all the time, the yours world, he's the man. Yours world, he's the man. Will play in the background, just like Flash. She saved every one of us. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But you, you go, you go along with it because it's so fun in a way, you know. So it's great, and uh, you got some great eye candy with Kala running around in a loincloth. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just a, a, a great little film uh, to watch and, and enjoy. It was released uh, theatrically here by Columbia in the United States, and I think it was a pretty big hit. I mean, it was just, it's probably one of those Italian films which probably had a fifth of the budget of other, those other guys, but was just, it, it was a hit, you know, it's because it's just so goofy and, and fun. And I think... Um, at the core of that is Reb Brown, who is just this enthusiastic, crazy man. He eventually go on to uh, star in um, 
Strike Commando, uh, which is kind of like a, a Rambo ripoff, and uh, and then he did that that movie Robo War, which is this kind of Predator ripoff. Just 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 a great film. It was actually there was actually a a four hour. Uh, television miniseries. There was a very short theatrical cut, but then there was this four-hour television cut, which was exclusively for Italian television. And I have never seen that one, uh, but I'm, I'm sure that's that's probably a very special experience. Now, I guess it makes sense that uh, the sensibilities of your would be so comic book and so crazy because your was actually based on a comic book, apparently. And one of the mysteries of your to me, is that, to me, one of the iconic aspects of your is the U.S. theatrical poster art and the VHS art, which you know, came through with that Columbia VHS release of your. He's on the top of this uh, of this stone cliff, and he's screaming and yelling. Or really, the stone extrusion. It's like the beginning of your, where, he's, where we see that stone mountain. He's on top of one of those. He's screaming of the gods in one of his signature red brown screaming poses in the background we're seeing the spaceships and clutched to his leg cowering is like a cave woman but the thing is red brown's hair is much shorter than it is in the film and that that uh, cave girl cowering to his leg is like a model she's not kala she's not korean clary so i'm assuming this 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 photo session much must have taken place way after the film was shot maybe in the, in the united states even uh, but i mean wherever so that's kind of a mystery but wherever it took place thank god it took place because this this vhs art was like iconic no matter what video store you went into in the late 80s and early 90s they would have a sci-fi section they wouldn't have a sci-fi slash horror slash drama slash action section they would have a sci-fi section a science fiction section and you would always see this video post this this video art there this your screaming guy with the with the borders with the Columbia VHS borders because the poster was inset, uh, and it, it really a trip down memory lane to 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 look at that poster again to look at that that cover art again uh, because it just no matter wherever you went it was there I I actually wasn't a big fan of your at that point I hadn't really gone into it. I guess I was more of a fan of the Luigi Cosi uh, Hercules films which I saw on TBS. But then I saw your later on. I saw it on the Sci-Fi Channel when it was broadcast there, and I became a big lover, a big fan. Not big enough to track down the four-hour Italian miniseries, but not yet. But still a big fan. Now, as a little added bonus here, um, I actually uh, recorded an interview with none other than Reb Brown himself in 2011 on the set of his new film Night Claws. He talks a little bit about Night Claws, but he also talks a lot about his Italian films like Robo War and Your, as well as Captain America. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. This is an exclusive of sorts. I'd like to thank Mike Hensley and Chip Chisholm for helping us to set this interview up, as well as David Pryor and Tara Klein-Peter and everyone from Night Claws who allowed us to do a little set visit there and record this great interview with Reb Brown. So here it is, Reb Brown on the set of Night Claws. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Sheriff Kelly? Well, I've been married and divorced twice, and 
I got a new girlfriend on the on this. Her name's uh, Deputy Roberta, and she turns out to be jealous. And uh, and there's another woman that comes into the show called Sarah. They have a little bit of a conflict between them, and. I've got a lot of things going on in this. There's a lot of things. Some teenagers were found dead, and I've got to try and figure out what happened there. I've got, I've got the townspeople wanting to go out and take care of what they think is the problem themselves, and I can't allow them to do that. I've got this woman named Sarah who's a uh, professor and, and uh, works at a, uh, a big facility, a university, and she wants to... Uh, be involved with everything, which I don't want because of the fact that, you know, this is my job and I don't want anybody interfering. And come to find out that there's some things going on and it just seems like it just snowballs farther and farther and farther to the point where I'm just kind of overwhelmed a bit. But try and remedy the situation and then there's some surprises in there <laughs> that take place. And uh, as far as what's concerned with me is that I'm trying to do the best for my deputies in my town. And uh, hopefully I, I'm doing that. And everybody hopefully will be all right. But there's a lot of, seem to be a lot of carnage that takes place that I have no control of. Uh, and that's about it. Oh. Now, Rev, we, we love your films. Uh, you know, always the Italian action films, the Strike Commando and the uh, Your and... Uh, your Robo Mama. War. What? Your Mama. Oh, Your Mama. Yeah. Yeah, Robo War was a blast. I had a good time, and that was uh, 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 Bruno Mattei, and uh, also the Strike Command was Bruno Mattei, and uh, we had a we had a good time over. It was in the Philippines, and it's funny how when you do films, it's just kind of a universal language. I didn't speak Italian, but uh, you know he'd give me directions. Bruno would, and I could understand what he was saying. Capito? He goes, Yeah, Capito. You know, and. Uh, we had a blast doing that. It was it was uh, hard work there, and uh, one of the guys that was in Strike Command was Alex. He played football at UCLA. Great big guy. He was a guy with a <laughs> that I ended up putting the uh, a grenade in his mouth, and he ended up with the with the metal teeth. And uh, we had a good time. It was uh, it was a lot of fun on that. And and your I was six months doing that. I was in uh, Turkey and in Rome, and boy. That was a long film. That was a long film, and I was away from my wife quite a while, and it was, it was hard. It was very hard, but, you know, we got through it. I went from 230 pounds down to 205, because I didn't, I thought I could trust the water, and you can't. <laughs> and I, you know, I've done a lot of those things, and I had a blast doing them. Another thing uh, is that you pretty much on television originated uh, the character of Captain America. Yes, I did. And you may tell us a little bit about that and, and tell us how you feel about the uh, big budget remake. You know, I, I really would have loved to have been involved with that in some way because it would have been a nice transition. Okay, I I tried and I had my people try, but they weren't responsive to it. In fact, uh, some of my people now are, are talking with Chris Evans and... Uh, like I said on TMZ, I said, I said, he looks like my little brother. <laughs> he's a lot smaller than I am, but I'm, no, I'm sure he's, you know, he's gotten in condition for the movie. And I, I love being a superhero. It was fun. I had a thing happen in, in Venice one time, Venice Beach down in uh, California, in Santa Monica. Yeah. And I was uh, in my motorhome, and I came out completely dressed in my Captain America outfit. And there was a drunk that was sitting on the wall, and 
he looks up and he falls off the wall and he says, I gotta stop drinking <laughs> when I come out in my full Captain America outfit. And then he blinks and he looks at me and he realizes that I'm real. And he goes, well, maybe not, <laughs> but I never will forget that. I never will forget that. It was a lot of fun running along the beach there in Venice and then, you know, picking people out of dune buggies and stuff. It's fun being a superhero. It's a, it's a blast, it really is. And my dear friend who has passed away long since then, Alan Balter was the producer of that, and I got to work with Christopher Lee in the second one. Uh, I just had a really good time. In fact, Heather Menzies was in the first Captain America that I did, and she was the uh, wife of uh, Robert Urich. And she was also in the first movie I did called with Dirk Benedict. And Christopher Lee, I work with him, and then I work with him again in uh, Howling 2 in Czechoslovakia. And I thought uh, Christopher Lee was a, was a character and a half. He was wonderful. 